0: Mortgages can be a dry subject, so here's your Oasis in the Desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bert to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience.
1: Hi there, you're listening to the LM Experience. This is episode 18. Good morning. How are you, Martin?
2: I'm all right, G. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Jordy, good. How's that uh, How's that, uh, office of yours in the garden? It's going very well. Your man cave? Yeah, decorations going on. Good, good. You've got a pool table? No. Dartboard? No. Nope. Jukebox? Planned. Mate, you're doing it all wrong. I'm going to come down at the weekend, we'll get it sorted out. Okay, okay, we will do. Right then. So what are we talking about today? Well, the first guest we've got today uh, is a a friend of mine uh, that we met on Twitter many years ago, a guy called uh, Chris Budd. His uh, Twitter handle is at Ovation Chris. I'm just going to read out his Twitter bio. He's a writer. He's a gongerist, he's a business coach, he's a speaker, he's a podcaster, he's author of The Eternal Business, The Financial Wellbeing Book, and two novels with a third on its way. It's Mr. Chris Budd. Hello, Chris. Morning, chaps. How are good you? Good morning. Very good, thank you. That is a very impressive bio. It's much better than mine and Stu's put together. Where do you <laughs> find the time?
0: I <laughs> want to write a bio. It's not difficult.
2: So <laughs> 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 um, sort Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Chris, we, we met, I think, initially, uh, maybe on Twitter about three, four years ago, and we went through a spate of um, Twitter meetups, didn't we, with a number of different people and Phil Bray and uh, loads of other guys uh, that are still on Twitter actually but we don't quite meet up as much as we used to um, uh, so you're actually you're an IFA is that right can you just give us a little or oh, you were maybe you were but can you give us a little potted history of, of you know how you've ended up in a podcast studio in,
0: in w1 with me and Stu. <laughs> what the hell am i doing here exactly. Yeah. uh yeah so i set up my business ovation effectively in 1998 incorporated on as ovation of 2000 i built up a financial planning practice uh was fee-based charging time from the outset which in 1998 was pretty That's unheard really of rare. yeah um and uh 20 years later i sold the business this year to right. to an employee ownership trust so uh, i'm no longer an ifa i'm still chairman i'm still minority shareholder but i'm not involved day to day anymore right
2: we're going to get on to that 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 sell that business? That, because that, I think, is really interesting, because I, I, that's one of the reasons why I invited you on today, just to find out how, how you went through that process. So just going back a step, though, you, you were fee charging in 1998, when yeah. no one had even heard of RDR, yeah. or fees, for that, <laughs> for that matter. That was pretty, it was quite a commission-heavy industry back then. What, oh, very did much you so. see
0: the writing on the wall early on, or did you just want to be different? I, okay, so the truth of that one is, my father actually right. because my father was an IFA and he was old school well he would have been in the 90s <laughs> you know that, that, that yeah. <laughs> that's what it means and he um Went bankrupt, ah. so he lost his house. He lost everything. Destroyed him completely as a man, all because he was used to selling a product for commission. Mm. <laughs> and so when I um, wanted to do this myself, I decided I didn't want it to be like that. I didn't want to be a victim, yeah. like he had been of just the way you do. So things. You the opposite, yeah. So I decided to build a business based upon um, renewable income, mm-hmm. basically. So I charge a retainer fee. That was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, I don't know why you mortgage brokers don't charge people a retainer fee. Don't just wait uh, for them to come back.
2: A, our, Sure. we it's,
0: it's an interesting concept. Fees is a big debate in
2: our industry. Um, and it's difficult for us to raise the standards of mortgage broken when you've got half the industry that say, oh, we don't charge a fee. And then you've got the <laughs> other half that do. Uh, and, and the,
1: the client's in the middle. Um, yeah, I think we had a, there was a great deal of um, good progression towards the recognising that issue following on from the downturn. Hmm. Coming out of that, there was more of an, an acceptance there that for everybody, that everybody had to work differently. And I think from the client perspective, they were generally expecting to pay a fee. Yeah. It wasn't a case that they didn't want it for nothing. Well, you pay a fee to everybody else for whatever you get, don't you? Yeah. And
0: if you don't pay a fee, you know you're paying somewhere else. So just be open there about it. There are no free lunches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so so when I started doing this in the financial planning world, um, people literally laughed at me. Mm-hmm. Literally. Um, we and, off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but for different reasons, yes. at least. We've moved on. <laughs> um, so, but but that, that, I just charged £25 pound a month. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all. It was That's not a lot of That's money. Not either. a lot of money, um, and but it meant that people could come back to me anytime they like. So what it means is, in your world, you know, mortgage broking. If somebody then moves house a few years later, where are they going to go? Mm. To the person they've been paying the retainer fee for. Yeah. So even if it's just a five or a month, and you're giving yeah. a newsletter, an update, or something, you yeah. know, building that ongoing income. Um, and now Ovation's got you know three staff salaries worth of retainer income just coming mm. in coming yeah. before you've even opened the doors. Yeah, just what, what was the
2: resistance from clients? Because clients are you know they could. Um, the, you can talk to a client about fees and they'll give you about 15 different opinions on them. Um it was uh, back then what it was only not, not only was, was the industry laughing at you, were the clients laughing at you?
0: No, they loved it because yeah. they I was being honest and open about it. Yeah. You know, yes, I charge you. Of course the I transparency. do. You know, how how do you think I pay for this um crappy car? <laughs> <laughs> Which you still got. Yeah. Um so no, the clients loved it. The only the only uh, I mean, I used to see all these – these letters in the pinks um, from these crusty old IFAs were saying, I've asked all my clients if they'd like to pay me a fee, and they've said no. <laughs> well, of course so they it's, have. that's the law. Yeah. You've got to sell it. You've got to explain it. Yes. You've got to have a proposition that backs it up.
1: Yeah. I mean, so i worked in an IFA practice um, after I left C&G 2006 through to 2008. And the weird situation was within that practice, it was more of a national company with little offices dot around. And... We had like three IFAs, and they're all working to different models. Yeah, the guy who was running the office had the retainer model, and he actually put his clients put it to his clients that this is gold, silver, and bronze. Yeah, and it even limited on some of them, he actually was limiting access. I in terms of how many phone calls that could be made and that sort of thing, which I thought was taking a bit too far. Mm. But the principle of it seemed completely sound because, and certainly what we get, I think, is a lot of and it goes overlooked certainly for probably for people's own reasons within like the mortgage broken community we overlook the amount of stuff that we actually do for free the stuff that we think is customer service a lot of the time it's it's very borderline between how far do you go from being genuinely helpful to giving away all of your knowledge or as much of the knowledge you're willing to give away without there being any commitment i think
0: Another way of looking at that is that um, what do people want when they come to get advice, whether it's mortgage brokers, financial advice, what is it they're actually after? Mm. I firmly believe that what people want is just to get rid of the problem. Yeah, yeah. It, anybody takes. could do what we do. Yeah, you know, I could. Well, actually, I was going to say I could do DIY. Actually, I can't. But <laughs> I probably could if I worked at it. Yeah. But I just don't want to. It's not something that interests so you're me. So you pay someone to do it. Yeah, you're, you're abdicating the responsibility for your own mm. money. That's mm. what people are doing when they approach mm. us. So charge them for it. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> so so I'm happy cr- to pay so that I don't have to think about it ever again. So yeah. this time, this time last year, tell me what Ovation Finance looked like. So there's 10, em- ten employees. Yeah. Um I had been working for a good seven or eight years is on uh, the expression I use, making myself the least important person in the business. Mm-hmm. So this conversation, you know, talking about the, the succession planning and the employee ownership trust, all that kind of stuff, I know we're going to come on to. But what we're actually talking about is building sustainable businesses, mm-hmm. building a business that um, has a value or doesn't have a value because you're not going to sell it because the trust will own it. But as far as the current owner who's started it is concerned, has a value that you can then sell to the trust. Now, nice. yeah. to do that, especially within your more mortgage broken community, I think it's fascinating how you build a business. Mm-hmm. Not a series of people each with their own client banks, because that's not worth anything, mm-hmm. but a proper, meaningful business that actually has a value.
2: Well, uh, let's get on to this then, because uh, let, let, let me explain to you how the mortgage industry works, cause I think, <laughs> I'm not too sure I know myself, but um, effectively what we've got in the mortgage industry is we, we, everyone knows how they got into mortgages, yeah. into financial services in general. Okay? But, but nobody but knows how they're going to get out. Nobody knows how they're going to get out of <laughs> that. Okay, and I put myself at the front of that queue. So, um, in some respects, we're quite a fragmented industry. Um, we haven't got a lot of scale. There's lots of one, two, small man bands, you know, four or five clubs together. But other than that, there's no real big names around. And what what somebody would buy in our industry really is just the
0: individual. It would be the, the, the by Stu because of who he is. I don't know what the price would be. Pretty you cheap, see, I would imagine. But, see, I, I'm going to challenge that. Yeah. When you say someone would buy, do you mean another mortgage company or do you mean the client?
2: Well, just Stu's experience as, as him as so a, a broker. A, because he, A client would go to Stu because of your experience. Yes, yes. And, then, yeah. and someone might want to try and recruit Stu into their business because his client bank has no value. My client bank as a mortgage broker will have no value. There's no residual value. All we own as brokers is the, is the advice process. So you came to me from A to B. I'll get you through that, and there'll be a fee at the end of it. But after that, you don't have to come back to me. I don't own you. There's no contract between me and so you. So if
0: if that has no value, then why do solicitors practice itself for money? That's a, that's a rhetorical question. Hmm. You know, yeah. there clearly can be value. There can be value. But but there like is at the moment. And that, but I would suggest the reason is, and you you mentioned it earlier, Martin, before we came on air, is, is scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scale is definitely yeah. a part of that. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. But What does scale give? Well, scale gives business processes. It gives automation. It gives... Um, getting your knowledge and experience Stu, into the business, mm-hmm. putting it throughout, the it permeates throughout the business. It means that clients aren't phoning up for Stu, they're phoning up for the mortgage company. The name. brand. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So it's building brand, exactly that. It's building a sense of purpose, of what I call in the book the flag. It's about having employees who are engaged who aren't just doing your bidding, yeah. but they're actually engaged in the process as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all this kind of stuff. Clients who deal with more than one person, so they're not just going to see you, they're seeing you for one thing somebody else All of this stuff is how you build up a meaningful business, a sustainable business.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Chris, let's talk about the book, The Eternal Business. I love to, you. How to
0: transition a business <laughs> <laughs> for the employee ownership revolution. Talk me through it. Okay. So what happened with me is that... Um, as I say, I was making myself the least important person in the business. I was trying to build a business which had uh, longevity. And I had a number of different areas for that. I had, a, I was building a business model. And then the one thing I didn't have was an actual ownership. How am I actually going to walk away from this? Mm-hmm. So the options that we've got are management buyouts, which I don't like because, well, all sorts of reasons, but the least of which is your employees have to have enough money. Mm, yeah. um, and I didn't want to put them into debt to get it either. Um, you've got trade sales, which in the IFA world are pretty – grubby if i'm mm-hmm. honest with you yeah um we could have a whole podcast on that subject <laughs> yeah. um but so i didn't have a great option and then i went to a meeting of something called the employee ownership association last june last june and it absolutely changed my life mm-hmm. because i met people who had done this who had gone into the employee ownership trust so let me explain how that works yeah. to try yeah. and put some context on this um anybody f- listeners familiar with the john lewis model um, yeah. we'll, will mm-hmm. we'll have a, a, a good starting point to this um how it works is a business is owned by a person, and quite obviously, because they own the shares, they get the profit. Right? That's yep, yep, simple. That's yep, a simple really concept. We did so far. Yeah. Because I, 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 you're here, Martin, I'm keeping this as simple if as I could, possibly yes, can. Yeah, do it right, Dan. Um, all is, this means is that the shares are owned by a trust fund called an Employee Ownership Trust, mm-hmm. and the profit therefore goes to the trust fund. Who are the beneficiaries of the trust fund? The employees. So the employees get the profit of the business. They own the business, but they're they're technically they're beneficial owners. They don't actually own shares. Yeah. So the employees don't have to come up with any money. They don't buy shares. You don't have the problem that when they leave, you've got to buy their shares back from mm-hmm. them, all that stuff. Uh, the trust owns the shares and it gets the profit, which it distributes to the employees. Now, that's great. That's the first model. The second model, but how do you get from one to the other? And this is the tricky bit mm-hmm. because what happens is I sell my shares to the trust. The trust doesn't have any money to pay me, but what it does have, of course, is the future profit. Profits, right. Okay. So yeah. it uses that profit to pay me over a number of years.
2: Okay, so it's like an earnout,
0: process. Totally like an earn out yeah. with the same as every other yeah. business sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although I would say that EOT sales, employee ownership trust sales, tend to be on a slightly longer term, yes. generally speaking.
2: Which is probably not a bad idea because that keeps you committed still to the business. Yeah. Because one thing about when you sell a business, the fear is that the person that made that business suddenly not being there the next day arguably is there a business at all yeah you know and you'll soon find out when Very the tide goes out so yeah. at least you're then still got that emotional attachment mm. to yeah. the business
0: you there is however one um big fly on the ointment here which is that what it means is that my security of my family the financial future for me and my family is now dependent upon the profits of the company i no longer control
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: That's interesting. That's a bit scary. Yeah. 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 So that's why I said a minute ago this is all actually all about building sustainable businesses. Yes. So that it will be there to continue paying me the profits. So, yeah. Have it you, owes me.
2: Do you effectively lose control of your business now? Yes. You, and and that's not that, is that an irreversible transaction? Yes.
0: Okay. Well, so, no, not irreversible because your sell and purchase agreement will have certain things in it that say right. that if they mess Should it all up, decline. Then yeah, yeah.
2: you can step back and in can again. Step back in. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're the, the guys over at Ovation—they've not had to write a check out for this. Correct. Okay. So, um, what was it? What? How did you present this to them?
0: <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> Slowly. Yeah. No. Ain't that the truth? Uh, no. It, it, uh, to the leadership team first, and then to the employees second. Um, and, uh, if I'm absolutely honest, I probably did it a bit quicker than I should have done. Yeah. I probably should have taken a bit more time over it, but I was excited. <laughs> um, so we, well, it's one of the things that we advise to the book and the program that we're doing as well is to, is for people to just slow down and just take your time over this mm-hmm. because it takes a long time to get a business ready to carry on without you. Uh, especially if it's been all about you, if it's like a personality business, all the clients just speak to you, yeah. you make all the decisions. I reckon it's probably five years yeah. to get from that extreme to the extreme of being ready to be an employee-owned business. Right. Um, but the advantages are everywhere mm-hmm. um, because you sell at a market value. Mm-hmm. The shares are valued at an just independent he, market value. I am going to say, who, who, who values that? You get an accountant get in, to get yeah. an independent market value. So if somebody says, I could get more elsewhere... No, you can't, because mm-hmm. yeah. if you could, it would be reflected in the independent yes. market value, would <laughs> um, So you sell for a market value. You sell to your employees via the trust. The employees, therefore, carry on. They're looked after. Mm-hmm. Your clients love it yeah. because the business ain't going anywhere now. Yeah. It ain't yeah. going to be sold again. Yeah. It's going to last forever, hence the eternal business. Yeah. So Absolutely. actually, it works for everybody. Um but with that fine the ointment that your business has got to be able to carry on without you. Yes. Good. So that's actually That's the sustainability why. element. Mm. Exactly. So that's actually why the book and the, and the online program is all about how to get the business ready. So-
2: how did you find out about this then? I mean, you know, I've only found out about it because of you and the book. Uh,
0: what did you find out about the employee benefit trust? So it was invented so to speak in 2014. So the idea of trust ownership has been around for years, yeah. John Lewis. Yeah. But in 2014 the Nuttall review, which was a Liberal Democrat, excuse me, a Liberal Democrat um initiative as part of the coalition. It's one reason why you haven't heard of it by the way. Was <laughs> <what's laughs> the there? I don't want to talk about it
1: anymore.
0: <laughs> Shredded. Um, so uh it's an off-the-shelf HMRC-approved scheme... Mm-hmm. Um, it's got certain tax advantages like payments to the owner are, are capital gains tax free which is quite nice yeah. um, the employees get some money tax free each year um, so you have to it's an off the shelf scheme that you can use so it's only been around since 2014 mm-hmm. if you imagine the ideal company size is probably say 10 to 250 employees well, quite a big company no? that's, not yeah. a, that's not a rule by the yeah, way yeah. but that's, if you just get a broad that's idea that, generally. yeah. If, if it's three employees and you walk away is it going to last yeah. you know yeah. so um There's 280,000 businesses of that size in the UK. Mm -hmm. There's currently around 320 employee ownership trust companies.
1: Okay. so it's very we need to get
0: the story out don't we yeah yeah Basically. it's very new but it's it absolutely is going to be massive right. um, I heard about it because of uh, the solicitor I was dealing with who kept giving me options that I didn't like <laughs> um, <laughs> I <solicited> for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and charging me for them um, he, he kept offering me these corporate deal, corporate arrangements and none of them are vimbos and bimbos and all this kind mm. of none yeah. of them worked for me mm. um, and then he slightly exasperation, I think said go and talk to the Employee Ownership Association yeah. <laughs> the bottom drawer I've got about this <laughs> that's one. right yeah and it was just oh my god that is everything I want, you know. Um, So who does it work for? Companies who want to leave a legacy, owners who want to get out at a a market value. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, uh, management teams who want to buy in but haven't got the money. If you've got a management team that do want to buy in, you can still do the trust and actually you're giving them a guaranteed exit route. So that's an interesting one. Mm. If you've got, uh, the owner owns 100%, management team want to buy in, sell 51%, must be control, 51% to the trust, the rest to the management team, and then they can sell to the trust in ten years' time. They've got a guaranteed exit. Do, have to
2: give, mm. do you have to sell up? You personally have to sell one hundred percent, though. No, can you, uh, you can leave some skin in the game. Yeah I, yeah, I keep a minority shareholding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: the trust does have to have control, so it yes, must be fifty-one percent.
1: Okay,
2: okay, okay. And so that's, that's an option for brokers because mm, you know no one comes with a blank cheque to, to brokers because we have no residual value within the business. So I think this is something that I think brokers can get behind. So yeah. look, you've written a two hundred page book here on it, Eternal Business. Plug it again, Chris. All right, I will. Um, <laughs> Tell me about the writing process. The that's a lot of words in there, I'm guessing. Yeah. What do you, I saw that you were in Dartmoor the other today in a van. Is that what you do? You just disappear for a week at a time.
0: <laughs> well, it helps, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good um, news for the wife. <laughs> I, uh, so I... I I like writing. Yeah. You know, I enjoy it. I think that's one of the things you've got to. It's very important if you're going to write; is you've got yeah. to enjoy the process. Um, but uh, there's a there's a process to it. Uh, I use postcards actually. Right. I um, when I'm getting the idea of a, kind of a narrative for something, uh, whether it's the novels or the, or the other books, um, I get postcards. That I just put out on the kitchen table and I just write down what is everything I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just start to say, well, you know, what sort of order should these go in? Um, can any be grouped together? Uh, and after a while, it might be kind of forty, fifty postcards. And after a while, there's something just starts to emerge. Yeah,
1: oh, okay.
0: Um, so that's how I do it. But you've got to have the big idea first, yeah. clearly. Because um, you done novels, haven't you? Do you want to plug yeah, those while novels, you're uh, doing well, everything else as well? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, but put my name into Amazon, and all four books come up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I spend Wednesdays writing fiction. Right. Okay. Um, and I love uh, I love that. Uh, you don't make any money. Here's a yeah. question for you, right? What do you think? Right? Is the average Earnings in the UK from a novel in, in its first year of publication.
2: Well, I think by definition it's probably going to be low, but I'd say ten grand. Yeah, that's true. Uh, five. Two hundred and
0: thirty-six pounds. Yeah.
2: Okay, it's a labour of love, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Per word. That's that's not a lot of money B- per
0: hour. Uh, <laughs> <very specific. laughs> you do not do this for the, for the. You do not write novels for for fun. Um, so, for for
2: money, you do it for fun. Well, so someone's, someone's listening, and I think there probably will be at least one or two. What if they're interested? It in was my mum for a start. Exactly. Yeah, and mine. <laughs> that's Jews. Yep. So the eternal business. If someone wants to be interested
0: or get involved yeah. in this. What, what would they do? Chris, okay. contact you? Or? So Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, chris at theeternalbusiness.com, drop me an email if anybody wants to know more about how this works. I would really recommend, if anybody's really interested, go and, well, obviously, buy the book first. Obviously. Yes. yes. Obviously on do. yes. Where do you get that from? Amazon. Uh, Amazon, yeah. Or Harriman House is a publisher. but Amazon's yeah. the easiest thing to do, really. Um, but then go along to a meeting of the Employee Ownership Association, because you'll meet other businesses who are employee-owned mm-hmm. and who are so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. The employees are so engaged; they want to make this business work. And here's the here's the really important clue: it's not because they get bonuses at the end of the year. That's nice, mm. but actually, it's because they're now getting involved in the running of the business. Bested interest, and they get fulfillment from that. Yeah. That's why people get so passionate. about and have
2: you have you seen that with with your oh, team? Oh, so much! Is it
0: a different mindset yeah, completely? Very yeah. much so. Very much so. Very so, engaged with the business. Yeah, thing. absolutely. So yeah. so. Yes, it's about some tax reliefs. Yes, it's about being able to get out. They are obviously important. But first of all, spend time building your business to become a sustainable business, the business that's going to last without you. That's what the book's about. And then we are just about to launch an online program for companies to go through, Mm -hmm. 12 modules. The first module being about how owners can actually understand, is this what I want? And then the um, the first uh, set of four modules are that. Then there's four modules about getting the leadership team involved. And then the next lot is um, building up the employee and the, the company, so it's basically a model to follow for several years to build a business that you can
1: then exit into an employee ownership company.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Stu?
1: it is indeed. Yeah, because yeah. I think normally you we might well, be able it to get out of the industry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is with it, normally if you are entering like the mortgage broking industry, all you ever gets told, all you ever get told about, if you kind of go in with third party firms or anything like that, is how you get in. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. never any discussion yeah. about what happens once you're up and running and when you want to leave. Well, I think this is really interesting. Yeah. Right.
2: It's a a little known facility um, that Chris has taken advantage of. uh, And I think it's great to get that story out there. And get other people engaged with that. It won't be I'm, for everyone, but it'll be for
0: somebody. I'm so I, I generally think this could be society changing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. If you think you've got somebody who's got two job offers, one is for a boss who owns the business, makes the decision, and keeps the profit, yeah. and yeah. the other one is for a company that you get the profit and you get to have a say in the decisions. Yeah, no brainer, isn't it? Exactly. Absolutely. But you've got to build a business first. And do you know yes. what? This is that. This is uh, I talk about five years and building a business, and that might sound a little bit scary to some of your listeners who so maybe you know young mortgage advisors on mm. their own. It's great fun. Mm. Yeah. I had an absolute blast yeah. for seven years getting the well that's not strictly true there was a lot of stress in it. <laughs> um, a lot of breakdowns along the way as well but yeah no, but it, it, it is
2: a cha- business is a challenge it's a positive and a negative uh, and it's full of peaks and troughs mm. but if but you actually know journey.
0: if you know that you've got that end point absolute that you're aiming aim for, for yeah. mm. it's so much easier um, I wish I had known about this donkey years ago well, we, we,
2: we've, we've we've solved that problem for a lot of people who didn't know about it you've educated them now Chris so thanks for that and I'm sure we'll be back on again at some point in the future and you can tell us how that's going two quick questions for you before yeah. you go got a question from Coventry Building Society um, uh, you, you're into cricket <laughs> what, don't worry it's not a mortgage question Chris. why are you paying your loan back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can, can you ask Chris to give us a call No. Uh, you're into cricket aren't you he's Chris? not returning yeah. them Right. question how will the T20 game affect test
0: cricket oh hmm? God. Uh, I'm all for T twenty because I think it gets more kids going to watch cricket, but I don't go to Many myself because it's not proper cricket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a different game. Um it's Disney isn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 like a a, a, a McDonald's as opposed to a, a Michelin starved meal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um you can enjoy it, it's fun, but you don't remember it. But then you're the great when later. you get home. Yeah. There won't be you won't look back in in fifty years' time and celebrate the great T twenty players. Yeah. You know, mm. you'll look back and celebrate Alistair Cook yeah. for his extraordinary bravery and feats of, yeah. of uh, So c- I I'm all for it. But it should be an entry level. Um, unfortunately, I think the uh, the people who run cricket don't really like cricket very much. <laughs> <laughs> Test cricket survive? Yeah, I yeah. think so. But uh, but they are trying to kill it what about the county game the authorities well it's got to survive because um, you not have no test cricket the, but whether you get any, yeah you get no test cricket um, but whether you'll get anybody going to watch it is another matter mm. I mean I go to Gloucestershire all the time and you might get a smattering of 100 or 200 people there on a, on a weekday mm. um, but if you didn't have that you wouldn't have the guys coming through to the, to the test team so mm.
2: yeah right last question do you want to ask the, the, the famous last question Stu?
1: oh uh, yeah are you into football at all Chris
0: uh, uh, no I'm a Bristol Rovers that. That. ah yeah that's your team Bristol Rovers <laughs> yeah ah ok we go but occasionally i yeah. common, de- no, common denominator here who is a common denominator <laughs> Ricky <laughs>
2: Lambert Ricky Lambert why he played for Liverpool Bristol Rovers and Bristol Rovers Bristol Rovers first yeah
0: Right. Yeah, well, yeah, they all start there. Yeah,
2: and yeah. <laughs> they come to Southampton,
1: and then they, they always, always end up at Always end up at <laughs> Liverpool. Yeah, thank you.
2: Right. Well, I think it's been really interesting, Chris. Thank you for your time. No, thank good, you luck for with, me guys. good luck with good your, your your new venture. Um, uh, if you want to follow Chris, he's one of the more interesting tweeters. Um, I say I praise. say that through gritty <laughs> teeth uh, at Ovation Chris is his handle uh, it, there's always some, what I like about you Chris on Twitter is that you'll always get something different some people all they tweet about is the same stuff but you'll get a bit of cricket you'll get a bit of business you'll get some really bad jokes <laughs> um, uh, but it makes it for an interesting interesting read
1: so thanks for that so uh, that was the end of episode 18 episode 18 it was indeed yeah thank you much Chris so you can check Chris's books out on Amazon if you just search for Chris Budd D, you will find his books on there go and have a look and have a look Um, Also as well, if you'd like to send us any suggestions for future guests or future questions for our program, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at The LM Experience. And we will be back again soon with another guest. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it.